And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and talk about pretty much everything that passes us by in this world. And Dan, a couple things lately, at least in the year 2023 so far, that have been kind of interesting is this promotion of, of Satanism. And what I mean by that is maybe it's not the, the occult and worship of Satan, but at the Grammys, you had an artist that did a whole performance in this satanic ritual. You recently, I believe there's this thing called Satan Con somewhere, but I saw a video of some lady ripping out pages of the Bible and throwing them on the floor as people were cheering. You've got uh, Christian leaders, and we've discussed this, that are sitting there and they are either A, being irreverent with what they're saying, um, they are misrepresenting the gospel, the Bible, and basically teaching false religions um, with an, an adaption and adoptions of worldly woke social justice issues as well. And then it leads to confusion, leads to confusion among people that are truly seeking. Um, we've talked about you know Hollywood and Christianity. I believe that was the last time we got together and talked about it. And so there's all this going on, and it leaves someone that is really seeking to ask themselves the question, you know, will I be allowed to enter heaven or how do I know I'm going to get into heaven? And when you ask this question recently, I had a couple of, uh, I think they were Latter-day Saints that came knocking on my door and I probably should talk to them, but I try to avoid them. I'm the one that's diving behind the couch because I just don't have the time, but I was talking to them briefly and they were out doing their thing, and I commended them on that for them doing their thing. But it's interesting when you listen, a lot of people really rely on their entrance into heaven based on what they do as opposed to what Jesus did for us. And I find that quite interesting that we have that. And so when we ask the question, will we be allowed to enter into heaven, what's the answer? Yeah, that really is the ultimate uh, issue, isn't it, Son? You know, you mentioned uh, uh, all of the uh, things around Satan in the culture today and Satan Con, you know, which took place in, in Boston here recently with about uh, 800 people who uh, were there, um, really supporters of the Satanic Temple. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you, you've, got, um, you, you've got a lot of people in the, in the culture that you know, really don't know what to make of some of these things. You know, I read, Son, I think we've mentioned on the podcast even uh, here a few years ago now, probably already, that there are more witches in America than Presbyterians. So there are a lot of people gravitating uh, toward um, whether it be New Age things or, uh, you know, witchcraft or uh, or Satanism. Uh, and, and, uh, and then interestingly, I, I just saw a survey, uh, that was taken here very, very, uh, recently. And, uh, what, what, what this survey of about 1700 people revealed, uh, is that 85% of Americans regularly connect with a higher power, which I found very interesting. Uh, but of course, what a lot of people don't realize, son, is that 
you have to have discernment. Uh, this is why the Bible says, test the spirits. Um, and they're just calling out to a higher power. Well, there are all sorts of gods, deities, um, you know, uh, things that people, uh, you know, will call out to. Uh, I mean, for some people, their higher power is Mother Earth. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of things in the spiritual realm, uh, but there's only one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, three persons in one God. So uh, when it comes down to the ultimate question of, you know, how do I know if I'm going to get into heaven? You know, the thing that I've been sharing with people, I've been doing this for years, uh, as you know, but I uh, hear lately a lot uh, of this as well. <clears throat> I just keep it really simple with folks. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be passing out materials uh, like the Gospel of John, um, and uh, and then many times if, if the if the situation seems uh, appropriate for it, I'll say, hey, you know, I love to ask people a spiritual question. Uh, would you would you have a minute? Would you mind if I asked you? So I I ask their permission. I don't just launch into it. Um, you know, I try to be respectful of uh, their time. I mean, if they're even giving me five seconds. Uh, to listen to me offer them the Gospel of John. I mean, that's, you know, I appreciate that, but I don't want to assume that uh, that now that means, that, oh, wow, they're they're willing to talk to me for a few minutes, you know? So I, I try to kind of feel out the situation, um, and then I ask for their permission, uh, and most people, surprisingly maybe, uh, you know, agree to it. Uh, although, again, I, I don't ask everybody that, but um, uh, when, when they do, then I just simply put it this way, Son. I say, hey, you know, imagine yourself being at heaven's gates, and the Lord uh, there to to meet with you before you see whether you're going to come into heaven or not. And imagine God saying, now we've got three chairs here, and I'd like you to sit down in one of these that represents your faith. And all three of these chairs represent a person. Uh, all three of them have done the same amount of noble deeds, good works. You know, they've all done plenty of those things. So let's just say they're all even in that regard. But now the chair on the right represents the person who says, I'm putting 100% of my confidence for getting into heaven in my good deeds, my noble efforts. And if that's where your faith is, then you sit there. And then imagine God saying, now, if you don't think you can get into heaven just by your deeds, that, that, that Jesus' death on the cross is the payment for our sins, that that helps too. And you kind of want to you know, uh, put 50% of your confidence in your deeds and 50% and, and of your confidence is in what Jesus did for you on the cross, then if that represents your faith and your confidence for getting into heaven, you sit here in the chair on the left. And then imagine God saying, on the chair in the middle is for the person who's done as many noble deeds as the other two, but who says, I'm going to put 100% of my confidence for getting into heaven, not in what I do, not even a little bit in what I do, but I'm going to put 100% in what Jesus did on the cross when he paid for my sins. And so imagine God, uh, you know, telling you that. Sometimes I'll even say, son, I don't, I don't always say this, but sometimes I say, now, uh, you know, imagine once you sit down, the two of those chairs drop straight into hell. Uh, and, and, and if you choose the right chair, then you're going to come into heaven. Which chair would you choose? And, and so it just, it just takes off from there. And, um, and, and I have wonderful discussions. For example, yesterday I was, uh, over there, uh, sharing that at the, uh, at the park there where there's a little pond and a lot of people walk around in there, uh, around the pond. And, um, anyway, um, this young man, 20 year old man named Angel was fishing and I kind of went through everything I just explained to you. And, you know, Angel said to me that he'd probably, you know, pick the, 
Well, first I should say he said he has a Catholic background, but, but, you know, when he was younger, but, um, I, I didn't get the sense that he's, you know, really been connected much to uh, faith or religion or church here in recent years. But anyway, um, he said, you know, he, he picked the, the, the chair on the right, the first chair, you know, a hundred percent, uh, reliance upon his works. And, um, he said to me, son, he said, well, yeah, cause I think, you know, you, you have to earn your way, you know? So I was able to talk with him about, about that and, and, and about how the two chairs, the reason you don't um, receive forgiveness with either of those two chairs is, is because we can't earn our way. If we could, Jesus would never have been sent to earth to suffer and die on the cross. If, if our works were enough to get us in, then there would have been no reason for that. So we talked about that. And, and then we, uh, you know, I asked him, um, based on a couple of things he said, if he believed that Jesus was a historical figure and we kind of walked through that and he believed he, he was, and initially he's thinking, well, you know, his followers probably buried him in the ground. And so I gave him some evidences for the resurrection, um, including, um, the whole, uh, piece about, you know, the disciples who were very scared after his death, you know, went on to become most of them martyrs for the faith. And we talked about all of that and everything. Well, by the time, you know, that was done, you know, then I offered him and said, Hey, you know, would you, sometimes I just will have a little prayer with a person. I invite you to repeat after me in that situation. Um, just that, you know, your faith is in Jesus. You want him to be your savior. You want your faith to be the faith in the middle chair and everything. And so I walked him through that. And, and by that time he was willing to do that. And then he did something, son. I don't know if I've really, I can't remember having someone do this before. He said, Hey, do you mind if I record it? And I said, no, not at all. So he recorded it. He had his little thing on his, he, he kind of w- was wearing around his neck. Um, and I hadn't really seen one before, but I asked him, is it an audio recording or video? And apparently it's a video. Uh, so, but, um, I, I sense everything, you know, legitimate about everything he was doing. Uh, um, and then I even asked him if he could, uh, you know, send me the video. So I, I'm hoping he'll, he'll do that, but everything, he really thanked me for the visit. Um, and I've had other situations like that, even in recent days, recent weeks, um, with people like that, but walking them through the three chairs. And I can't tell you, son, how many people, you know, I'll talk to. And, um, I mean, you know, I, I, I get people, of course, who, who point to the middle chair. I think of some, uh, a couple of young men yesterday I was talking to, and they both right away, you know, pointed to the middle chair and, and, and they know the gospel because the middle chair represents the gospel, um, that, that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So, so that's the gospel. And, uh, but a lot of people will pick, you know, uh, the chair on one side or the other. And then we, and then we talk about that. So, um, I, uh, I really, uh, I really find that illustration sign gets, it, it cuts through a lot of stuff and it helps people to think about, well, what am I relying on to get into heaven? And of course, as you and I know, and as, as Christians know, um, you know, the only way to get into heaven is by accepting Jesus and trusting in him. Uh, as your savior, relying on his work and not your own. So, so yeah, so that, um, that's a very helpful uh, approach, I believe. I know it is for me. I think others, you know, uh, will find it just as helpful in, in their own, um, you know, outreach efforts to family or friends. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just great to be able to, to talk about this and to go back to your kind of your first point really today, son. Um, you know, in a culture where so many people, um, sadly are kind of clueless to that because nobody's ever told them. They didn't grow up in a home where parents told them. Their parents don't know. So, you know, you, you can't give what you don't have. 
you know, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Uh, the harvest is plentiful and it's just amazing how many people, you know, they don't know the gospel. Um, you know, that we're, that's not to blame them. That's just to say that, uh, you know, we've got a lot of people that we want to, uh, well, that need to be reached and God wants everyone in heaven. So, you know, that's clear in the Bible. God wants all uh, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So uh, so it, it's a beautiful, uh, joyful thing uh, to share the gospel. I know people kind of get freaked out by the word evangelism or, you know, so well, you know what? Um, evangelism has been called one beggar telling another beggar where he has found bread. Uh, so um, there's no reason to be freaked out by it. Uh, I mean, most Christians, Thon, are not going to be comfortable approaching strangers. They say that maybe you know, maybe 10% of Christians have that gift of evangelism, which, which, um, you know, I sensed decades ago that the Lord gave me, which simply means this. Um, if you have the, the spiritual gift of evangelism, um, you're, you're not only comfortable, um, you know, initiating a discussion with a stranger about the gospel, you feel compelled to do it. Um, and it doesn't mean you're, you're a better Christian or you're worse Christian if you don't. We all have different gifts. I mean, there are many gifts I don't have, you know, uh, you know, and, and I was telling somebody yesterday, in fact, one guy I was talking to, uh, there, uh, at the park yesterday by the name of Todd. Uh, he was sitting out there on the beautiful day, and he was drawing, okay? And and so uh, th- that's a gift I, he, I'm sure he has. And I, I told Todd, I said, you know, I said, I, I, I don't understand how people can have this gift, you know, like to draw somebody's face. I said, it wouldn't matter who I try to draw. It would be the same thing. Uh, a circle, a couple dots for the eyes, the nose. I mean, I, I asked him, how in the world do you draw somebody's face? You know, but if you have the gift, you just do it and you know how to do it. And you're so, yeah, our, the gifts are, are different, but, but I will say this too, song, a person doesn't have to have the gift of evangelism, um, you know, to be able to, at the right time in the right setting, maybe share the illustration of the three chairs, maybe with a family member, maybe with a friend, maybe with a coworker. Um, doesn't mean you're going to go out on the street corner, go to the park and start, uh, you know, engaging strangers in that discussion. Um, but, but, you know, the more we learn about how to share the gospel as Christians, um, the, the more equipped and, and more prepared and ready we'll be uh, as God opens up those doors, those opportunities uh, for us to do just that. You know, when you're showing the analogy of the three chairs, it kind of reminds me of a couple game shows that have come and gone over the years where contestants are standing there. And if they get an answer right or if they get an answer wrong, I guess maybe the floor opens up and they drop out. But it's based on the unknown. Is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? But the difference with the analogy that you use with the three chairs is the fact that the answer is already known and you know which answer or you can be told specifically what is the right yes. answer and which chair to specifically sit in so you know what? you're choosing right and you don't have to guess. Exactly. The other thing, too. Well, that, 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 yeah, that's exactly right, Solomon. The other thing, too, you know, when you take a look at people that have questions or they're not really sure, you know, what's going on, you know, we just came through the holy season for a lot of different religions, including including Christianity, which includes Lent, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. And Oswald Chambers, as you write in an article, you know, he puts, uh, he puts this out there and says, the center of salvation is the cross of Jesus, and the reason it is so easy to obtain salvation is because it costs God so much. So it costs God so much, it costs us nothing but our faith and our belief, which then leads to other things, obviously. But because God costs so much or cost him so much by sending his son to die on the cross, that's kind of a, an interesting perspective on 
how it is that we can obtain this salvation. It costs us nothing. The penalty has been paid by Jesus, God's son, being sent to pay that price, and all we have to do is believe. Yeah, that's exactly right, Son. In fact, this topic came up last night at a, a Bible study here that I was leading for our uh, for our church family um, that we have. Uh, and, and, and one of the guys um, made a very good point about how, you know, you know, he knows it's a free gift and everything, but sometimes he's, you know, he, he's, he, he just hopes that he's, um, you know, maybe, maybe doing enough in terms of just, um, you know, living uh, the way he would, let's say, for example, if you were living like you had to try to earn it, which of course he isn't. Um, but I mean, that, that, that's always something that we want to be aware of is that just as you say, yes, it's a free gift. Praise the Lord. It is. Um, if it wasn't a free gift, we'd all be in trouble because, um, you know, how would we know if we've done enough, you know, you, you know, to get in? But um, uh, it's so easy to accept, uh, to, to uh, receive salvation because it costs God so much. Jesus endured hour after hour of agony on the cross. And one thing I tell people, Son, is this, you know, if either of those outer two chairs could, could forgive even one of your sins, I mean, do, do you really think God would have, uh, would have sent his only son to endure what he went through? Of course not. And, and, and there's a Bible verse that, that says essentially that. It says, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And and boy, does that ever just lay it right out there, son. I mean, you know, if, if, if the chair on the right or the chair on the left, especially the one on the right, could get us into heaven, then Christ died for nothing. Well, somebody might come back and say, well, I don't think he died for nothing, but I still think I have to earn part of it, which would be like the chair on the left, the 50-50 proposition. Uh, here again, though, what, what, what I tell people, son, is that the minute we start relying on our good works at all, to get into heaven, that blocks the forgiveness of God from coming to us. Because if we're trying to save ourselves, then um, you know God, God's forgiveness cannot and does not flow to us, and He does not forgive us um, until we humble ourselves, repenting of our sins, and, and and just and just turn you know turn to Christ in faith. So the, the gospel is a beautiful thing, um, but. Um, you know, it, it really, really is. Um, uh, it really is something that you you, you cannot try to uh, you cannot try to earn. You cannot try to work for it because that's that's the biggest thing that keeps people um, from um, from really receiving the gift. And that's why I, I love again the, the the three chairs illustration because um, of, of exactly that. The outer two chairs are pointing to a person's reliance on their works to get into heaven. And it's very clear in the New Testament that that, that, that will not get it done, um, that all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. So if we bring it back to where you started there, Son, with mentioning Satan, Pan, and the devil, okay, so when a person is under a curse in that sense, um, you're still in the devil's domain. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to try to earn your way. He, the devil doesn't care if you're religious. The devil doesn't care if you have a higher power, as long as it's not Jesus, as long as you don't trust in Christ as your Savior. Uh, but that's what he's opposed to. Uh, in fact, in some ways, the, the devil wants people uh, to have a higher power, because, because in a way, that makes it harder for them to become a Christian, uh, in, in some sense, because they feel they've already got that area covered in their life. So, so the devil is a, a master at, at lying to people, and, uh, you know, Satan con, it gets a lot of, 
press coverage, you know, it's a very sensationalistic kind of a thing. Um, you know, 800 people, you know, go there, uh, you know, went to that in Boston. But on a far larger scale, there are millions of Americans, literally millions, son, who are, who are living in spiritual darkness under the control of the devil. You know, they, they, they would never go, many of them, to a, to a, uh, a conference, a festival uh, that is somehow celebrating Satan. But what they don't realize, and many of them are even religious, what they don't realize is, is, is that by, by trusting in their works, to get into heaven, they are they are preventing um, their own conversion, their spiritual conversion. Because you have to be humble, you have to be willing to receive the free gift, you have to be willing to identify as a sinner, and only then, uh, by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, can a person be born again, saved, redeemed, justified, and forgiven. And um, and, and so. Um, you know, without God's grace, uh, you know, none of us would make it, but, but thankfully it is a free gift. And I think about the Bible verse on, it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And, and that's exactly what it is. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You receive the gift by faith. And in John 1, 12, it says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, Dan, in James 2.26, it talks about, you know, faith without works is dead. So when we talk about we can't earn our way to heaven, that is correct. But also if we have a faith, that faith is going to motivate us, and not even motivate us, that's even the wrong word, but to push us to pursue doing things that would perhaps enhance the kingdom of God. For example, your faith is probably giving you that that push, so to speak, the Holy Spirit is giving you that drive to go out and evangelize. Um, and so because you go out and then evangelize, the evangelizing that you're doing, that's not going to get you into heaven. You already have secured the gift of heaven. Now you're just Amen. pursuing what the Holy Spirit is putting upon you. So other, exactly. Yeah, so other people, you know, sitting there might be thinking, okay, well, how, how can I balance this works thing? Well, maybe if we just take away the works and we just do life, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to impress upon us. You know, because mm-hmm. when Jesus left, he left us a helpmate, the Holy Spirit. And so it's going to drive right. us to want to do things, whether it be something as simple as perhaps giving water, maybe to somebody on the street corner as you pass by. Um, right. Maybe it's something a little bit more like evangelizing, or maybe it's going to, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a women's home and taking care of some babies while they're in school, or maybe it's just yeah. helping a neighbor on a Saturday with something or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. We don't have to look at these things. And this is the, the, I think the best part about it. We don't have to create a resume of works. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be these grandiose Billy Graham type works that we're doing. It could be the right. simplest of things that comes forth as a byproduct of our faith. We're living a faith, and because of that faith, we're going to want to do things. If we're a fan of a baseball team, we're going to have a desire to go to that baseball game or that sporting event. Um, not because we're less of a fan if we don't go, but we just yeah. have that desire to go. Um it's kind of like that, I think, where we just have this desire to want to do things once we're filled with the That's Holy right. Spirit, and the byproduct of our life is going to be the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and those are all a result yeah. of doing things. 
Yeah, I think that's very well said, Son. You know, I, I think of Peter and John in Acts uh, who said, we cannot help speaking what we have seen and heard. Now, um, it's interesting because some people have speaking gifts, uh, preaching, teaching, you know, leading a Bible study, you know, uh, teaching. Uh, I, there, there's a verse that, that says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're if you have a speaking gift, you're not serving. It typically means you have. There are some gifts that are out in front of people, teaching gifts, preaching gifts, and then there are, there are many who do work behind the scenes, and 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 they don't feel called or aren't gifted to let's say teach a Bible study or preach a sermon. But oh my goodness, do they ever work? like gangbusters behind the scenes, um, and, and, and God is using their gifts every bit as much as those with the speaking gifts. And, you know, God's going to hold us accountable. God expects us to use what we have. He, he's not going to hold us, uh, and when I mean hold us accountable, I mean, um, you know, we, we, we want the Lord to be pleased with, with um, you know, our life, and, and, and He's not going to expect us to use gifts that we don't have. Uh, you know, sometimes we look out at somebody else, we, we might think, well, boy, I wish I had their gift, you know. Um, uh, you know, I don't have musical gifts, uh, you know, to speak of at all. So if I were to look out at somebody, let's say, who's just a really gifted musician, son, or, or, a, or a gifted uh, artist, let's say, uh, with, with painting, um, or, you know, um, somebody who's just gifted in, in one of a whole host of areas that I don't have, um, it would be a mistake for me to really say, oh, well, you know, I don't have their gift. Uh, so, you know, no, the question is, um, the issue really is, well, what gifts has God given each of us? And and one one clue, Son, is that I think you you uh you I don't know if you used you might have used this word, but you were you uh, were saying this, uh, and that is where your gift is, you're gonna you're gonna feel drawn to to be involved in that. You're gonna find joy in that. Like for me, okay, I have a lot of joy in talking with with somebody I just met, you know, thirty seconds ago, and sharing the gospel with them. But I'll tell you, son, uh, there'd be a lot of Christians who would not have any joy in that at all. It's not because they, they 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 love the Lord less than I do, or somehow I'm more spiritual. No, not at all. It has everything to do with your gift, your gifting from the Holy Spirit, and and so this is where, um, you know, we all can pray and and have God show us. And sometimes you just have to kind of experiment with different things to see where you're. Your, your gift is at different opportunities that, that that come in. Boy, you know God is He has a very He has a vested interest in every one of His children. Um, so um, the Lord will open doors for you to use your gift. Um, just pray about it. Um, you know, uh, be a, a regular part of a of a church family. Opportunities can arise there, of course. Opportunities can arise in, in other aspects of your life. Um, you know, there, there's all sorts of things. You know, I, I think about, you know, one of our, our worship leaders, um, you know, who started a ministry here at uh, – uh, the Bethlehem house here, uh, here in Omaha, a, a home for, uh, for unwed mothers. And, and when I say started a ministry, maybe the better way to say it is, you know, that ministry was, was fully established, but, but she felt led to start volunteering there. That's the best way to say it. Um, and others have joined her and, um, uh, but, but there's great joy in that. She, she's a mother of, of four, uh, older children, teens and 20 somethings. Uh, but, but to give back to, 
um, to use her her Christian love and her gifts. That's that's something she feels called to do. And and my goodness, uh, that, that's a beautiful expression of, of of Christ's love. So whatever the gift is, um, some people feel called to, to build homes for the. Uh, for the homeless, uh, to help at the uh, at, at the uh, mission, uh, you know, uh, uh, feeding the hungry. I mean, there are all sorts of things. Um, some, you know, feel led to to teach a Bible study. You know, the list goes on. Some some are gifted to work in youth ministry. Uh, but but at, at the end of the day, son, you know, it really just. Uh, it really just boils down to what God has called us to do as Christians. You know, the, the, the Bible says, you know, that we're all part of the body of Christ. And, you know, if the hand, you know, for example, says, hey, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not the, the eye, uh, you know, then, you know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to look at other parts of the body of Christ and say, well, wow, you know, I, I don't have their gifts. So um, what's wrong with me? No, God chooses where to uh, to place us uh, in the body. God chooses the gifts that he gives us. Um, and, and, and one of the things we have a responsibility to do is to prayerfully uh, discern with God's help, obviously, God's guidance. Lord, what do you want me doing? And, and one of the things is when we're using our spiritual gifts, um, other people will be blessed by it, you know? Um, I mean, I can tell you, something, there'd be plenty of things I could try to do in God's kingdom that would be no blessing to other people. Um, and we all, I think, maybe recognize that. So so that's not where we're being called. You know, God is calling us to work in, 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 in an area where we will be a blessing. And, you know, a, a small number of Christians uh, relatively speaking, are called into full-time ministry in terms of, you know, on a staff with, with a church or a, a parachurch organization. But we're all called to be full-time ministers of the gospel uh, in terms of, you know, full-time Christians. And most Christians are going to fulfill their calling um, while they're also working uh, another job or uh, or their their work their, their job is is to be at home with the children and raising the children at home, which I mean I can hardly I, I can't think of a higher calling than that, you know uh, and 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 so um, these are all these are all things that come into play uh, as we think about uh, just how are we to serve the Lord with the gifts He's given us. And and how are we to help others come to know him? You know, Dan, as I think back, you know, growing up in the church, been to small churches, been to larger churches, never a mega church, but in and filling different roles, there's this desire to for people, like I mentioned, like we've been talking about, to to want to do something, whether it be um, a volunteer position at the church or do something in the church or ministry of some sort, whatever it might be. There's the desire to do something. But I also find it that some people try too hard to fit themselves into a spot that might not be their strength, like you mentioned. And as I think back over the course of all the things I've done, I mean, I've ushered, I've been you know, the president of a congregation, I've uh, done youth ministry, I've done all these different things. And I felt sometimes I was called to be in a position that I really didn't want to, but I felt it was necessary because I had to be there for that reason, that God wanted me there for that reason. And then there's other times that God wanted me in positions like youth ministry when I was younger, that was a lot of fun. But when it came down to it, instead of the pressure of, okay, what can I do that will make me look good in the public eye and fulfill my resume of body of works? When I would just sit back and be like, you know what? I have a desire to serve. What area 
can I serve in that is going to allow me to enjoy it the most without having it to become burdensome? Because when it starts to become burdensome, we stop doing it. And I don't think that's the place to be. So I think people, if they're going to want to do something, find something that they enjoy. You know, you'll be praying about it, you know, pray about something that you enjoy. You know, like if it's a mother going and holding infants, I mean, maybe that's a lot of fun and that's enjoyment for them. If it's, you know, someone wanting to, you know, be a, teach music. They're a musician. And so they want to maybe teach music to somebody. I mean, that could be a ministry is giving guitar lessons or something to people That's um, right. and stuff. So it would be, it doesn't have to be a corporate thing. I would suggest it doesn't have to be a corporate thing. It could be anything, especially if you enjoy it, because then your heart's behind it. And it's not that, Oh, I got to go serve in the nursery today. It's, Oh, I get to go serve the nursery today, or I get to go feed the homeless, or I get to go to the shelter, whatever it might be. And I think that if we approach it with, you know, hey, God, just lead us, as opposed to us trying to figure out our way, then I think that the result is going to be a lot better. Oh, there's no doubt about it, son. And, you know, one thought I had, too, um, and you've seen this, Christians across the board see this. You know, what we're not saying by it's going to be something that you're going to enjoy, you're going to enjoy helping people. What we're not saying is, oh, well, you know, it's just going to be whatever's going to end up being the easiest path, because sometimes it'll be a very difficult path and it will it will it will involve far more work and effort and energy and blood, sweat, tears and prayers than maybe uh, if you were doing something else. But, but what, what you're really describing, Son, is when we say enjoy, you know, the culture you know, enjoys, you know, I mean, all of us human beings, we, we might enjoy a movie or enjoy going to a ball game, but, but there's a deeper joy that Jesus brings when we're using our spiritual gifts that the world cannot touch. So, so that's what you're saying. You're, you're saying um, that that thing that so motivates you because God's put it in you to be a blessing to people using that gift uh, behind the scenes, or maybe in, in front of some other people, uh, or maybe in this way or that way. So, yes, the joy is a key component. Um, and, and when there is no joy in it, then maybe it's time to say, okay, um, Lord, you know, will you show me something where I can, my goodness, invest all sorts of energy, but, but also there can, be, there can be joy, there can be fulfillment, uh, and so forth. Yeah, and so, Dan, when you say joy... I mean, I think back to the time when I was doing youth ministry, you know, uh, high school, junior high and high school. You know, you think about the the trips to the river on houseboats trips, and you think about, you know, maybe the concerts that you go to at the amusement parks, and you think about all the fun times, and that's what people ask about. But what they don't realize is you're dealing with the runaways. You're dealing with the suicide attempts. You're dealing with the, you know, 14-year-old that gets pregnant. You're dealing with all these heartbreaking issues but for some reason, when you're a part of that, it's not, it's a burden, but it's also like you're content being there and dealing with that when a lot of people wouldn't want to deal with those things. I remember countless nights, you know, chasing a runaway, trying to bring her home because she's put herself in a very dangerous situation, you know, and at the end of the night, when you finally get her home, you can, you know, relax and be like, God really worked that out. And you see the miracles that take place on a daily basis, which sometimes is something that we don't get to see if we're just complacent in our faith. If we're not putting ourselves out there and doing the works, as they say, our faith is dead. But by doing the work, sometimes we see the miraculous works that God does through us 
And sometimes that can be rewarding and uplifting to ourselves as well. So, yes, when I say joy, I don't mean it's all fun and games, wine and roses. Sometimes there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in it, but you know you're there for a reason, and you have that, you have that, just that comfort and that like peace at being in those situations. You know that is exactly right, Son. And you know what what we're talking about here is that when when we find that niche, when we start to exercise that spiritual gift or those gifts that God's given us, um, not only does it produce great joy in our life to see the results, whether it be, you know, big or small, uh, just the joy in seeing, you know, God use us in that way. But, but we're also highly motivated then to make the sacrifices that are needed um, most times for something good to happen. And, and that's really what we're saying. I mean, you know, if, if any of us were God, then we wouldn't need that motivation. Uh, it would be, it would be, over the top all the time. I mean, God is always motivated uh, to do the right thing in every situation, uh, every area that would require a spiritual gift. God is a thousand, a million times motivated to do the right thing, whatever that is. But, but we're human, you know, and even as Christians, um, we, we don't have that capacity. Uh, even as Christians, we don't have the capacity to be able to do everything and, 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 and exercise every spiritual gift and, and, and we don't have the capacity really to, uh, generally speaking, you know, you might have a, a rare Christian, but I, I don't think I've ever heard of one like this, where you're so highly motivated to do a bunch of different things, whether it be like the examples you gave us on with like the runaways, the, um, you know, the youth ministry there. But I mean, how many people have we known? Uh, you, you only have so many hours in life. Uh, where, oh yeah, that person is highly gifted in music and they're highly gifted with dealing with runaways and they're highly gifted at the homeless shelter and, and they're high, highly gifted in, in, uh, gifts of, of, of administration and, and oversight of their, and they're, you know, and on and on it goes. That's just not the way it works. Um, only God has that kind of capacity to oversee every one of those areas and to raise up people, men and women and every one, young people in every one of those areas. But, but we, we are not, we are not God. And so, we are blessed and privileged to have one or two areas, let's say, where maybe we are especially motivated to make sacrificial efforts at helping people. And maybe that's the key we should say, too, Son, is that, um, you know, if a person um, is not making any sacrifice as, as part of utilizing their spirit, spiritual gifts, then, um, you know, that's probably something to pray about because, it should cost us something. I mean, salvation doesn't cost us a thing, but but serving the Lord should cost us something in terms of our time, our effort, our energy. There are going to be plenty of disappointments along the way because there are going to be people who aren't going to be as excited about what you're doing as you are. Um, some of the, some of those people will be the very people you're helping. They're not going to be as excited about you. So one of the sacrifices is you're not going to be appreciated by people who should be appreciating you more than anyone because you're there to help them. I say, take, for example, somebody who's really been broken uh, in their lives, let's say through an addiction or through, um, you know, maybe a, a broken marriage, or you can give all sorts of examples. Okay. And now they've been through all that. Uh, they, they've been to hell and back. Okay. And, and now God is going to use them to minister to broken people who, who are in the midst of it, but they haven't gotten out of it. They're in the midst of their addiction or in, in, in the midst of a, of a broken relationship or one that's almost broken. And, and that's going to be hard because even though you've been through that and have come through it and now God has restored your life, 
um, you're going to be dealing with broken people who um, may not really um, fully appreciate what you're doing sometimes. And, and yet you're going to have joy and, and God's going to let you see some people that, that are blessed by what you're doing. It might be one out of 10. It might be one out of two. I mean, who knows? Uh, it might be the first one you reach out to, but you're motivated uh, to do something in the kingdom of God uh, to spread the gospel, to help make disciples, to help a person's physical, spiritual, or emotional needs. I mean, the love of God is in you from the moment you were born again through faith in Jesus. And that love is just, it's just, it's just oozing. Uh, you know, you are compelled. And, and, but find that area or areas where you're especially compelled to serve. And, and, and you know, this, this is why, son, for example, in, in churches, um, I've never, never been, as many people have also talked about this, I've never been a proponent of, you know, a church just being like a, a program-driven church where, you know, we have all these programs, all these boards, all these committees, and now we got to really shake the bushes to, to round up some people to fill all these spots to, to fill our programs. I mean, I tell you, son, uh, you, you burn people out that way many times. I'm not saying it can never work, but, but a far better way is to have people plug in to where they're gifted, where they're called, where they're motivated, where they get joy, you know, because I'll tell you what, son, when you find somebody who has joy in a ministry, uh, you may have thought of somebody who wants to do that for the rest of their life, not just for a term. Well, I'll, I'll take my turn. You'll, you'll, hear, me, you'll hear people say that in the church. Well, I guess it's my turn. It's like, well, is that really how, how you want to, you know, do you want to use, you know, your, your, your time in ministry to just have it be your turn? Or do you want to be so motivated that you are more motivated about your spiritual gifts than you are uh, about your career, your hobbies, your finances, your retirement? I mean, have you ever been there? Okay. Have you ever been there where you're more motivated to do something in God's kingdom than you are for your hobbies, your career, uh, even your family? I mean, as important as they are and should be. Okay. Um, Jesus said that we're to take up our cross and follow him and that we're to love him more than anything else. And, and, and so I would say, my friend, if you've not yet experienced that, then, then if you're a believer in Jesus, pray to the Lord and say, Lord, show me how to invest my life. Show me where to invest my life. Show me, Lord, where I'll make the impact that you want me to make. Not that it's going to get, get me more or less attention, because that should never be part of it. If that's part of it, then we're way off base to begin with. If it's like, oh, well, I want to do this gift because I get to be up in front of people. Well, then you're way off base. I mean, take some years and pray about that and growing your faith to the point where um, that's not even a consideration. Okay, uh, and because because anytime we're, we're, we're wanting to be in the spotlight, that's like the antithesis of Christianity. I mean, there is one superstar. Okay, and, and, and we are servants. Um, and, and if we somehow think that it's about us, even in a small way, um, we need to really pray and, and have a humble attitude. And this is why the Lord was able to use someone like the Apostle Paul, uh, be, be, because, uh, you know, God had given him great, great humility. In fact, Paul said this, he wrote this, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that was where his boasting was not, not in himself. Oh, look at my gifts. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at all the people I'm reaching, whatever it might be. It, it, I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, those apostles, God did incredible miracles through them. I mean, uh, God healed many people through them. God did extraordinary miracles uh, through the apostles, which is one of the marks 
of, of an apostle. Not only that they had been with the Lord, but, but uh, by God's grace, they were able to perform signs and wonders. So can you imagine how humble they had to be? Because otherwise, they'd be like, oh, wow, look at me. It would be like one of these magicians that you see that tap into uh, supernatural power with their magic so they can have fame and fortune, okay? You can tap into that. Um, there is uh, there is supernatural power uh, that you can tap into. It's not coming from God. It's coming from the other side. And sorcery is supernatural. Um, you see examples of that in the Bible with, uh, you know, uh, well, you had uh, Pharaoh's magicians who were able to do some of the same things that Moses and Aaron did, but, but at the end of the day, they weren't able to keep up with, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You come to the New Testament, in the book of Acts, you got Simon the sorcerer, and people were amazed at, at these miracles. And, and so you can go to Las Vegas today, and um, you, can see, you can see sorcery going on. Uh, there, there's more in, in certain cases. Now, I mean, I, I don't know in, in every case, uh, is it just illusion, or is there... Uh, you know, something supernatural going on, but there's some things that go on that it looks like, wow, you know, and that, that doesn't seem like that's possible, even through illusion. So sorcery can, um, sorcery is used. Uh, well, why do you think witches, you know, why do you think they cast spells? Because the devil is real, because uh, the devil has power. Um, now, it's not greater than God's power. You don't have to be afraid of him, um, unless, of course, uh, you're not with Jesus. Then, Then you're, you know, then you're very vulnerable to him. But um, there is power in the spiritual realm. There is supernatural power, uh, and um, we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's got his eyes on Christians to try to distract us from, from the work God has for us. And he's got his eyes on unbelievers, and he's already got them under his control, but he's trying to make sure they don't ever have the gospel uh, within reach, that they don't ever have the gospel, because that's the one thing, that's the imperishable seed, that if that gets planted in their heart, and boy, the devil's going to come and try and take it. So like some of these people, you know, that we, we give, let's say, some of these uh, copies of the gospel of John out to, or we share the gospel with them, boy, the enemy's going to come and try to steal that seed, because for an unbeliever, that's the one thing that can bring them to everlasting life, is to receive the free gift, uh, to be convicted of their sin, to repent, to believe the good news. So, so that, those are, I believe, Satan's biggest goals in, in general terms. You know, for unbelievers, he doesn't want the gospel to get to them because then they might believe and be saved. And then, wow, I mean, then, then he's lost. Uh, uh, there's someone that he, uh, he was planning to control their whole life. Uh, and he's trying to distract Christians because even though he can't take our salvation from us, he would love to. No, that, that's secure with the Lord. Um, what he is going to try to do is keep us from being effective by having, you know, trying to tempt us to become entangled in, in sinful desires, uh, uh, sinful pursuits, um, you know, all sorts of things that the enemy will use to try to distract our minds from being just these, these clean, usable vessels that God can work through. So, um, you know, Satan Con will have 800 people show up. But I tell you, son, there are, I mean, millions of people uh, interact with Satan every day. Most of them don't even know it. They have no idea Satan's involved in that. And it's just the way Satan likes it, you know? I mean, you know, frankly, if, if Satan could convince everybody that, you know, the only real presence of Satan is with these fringe 800 people who are going to go to some Satan-worshipping kind of thing, Satan wouldn't mind that, you know? Um, uh, you, you know, he, he wouldn't mind that at all uh, because what he doesn't want you to see 
is, for example, when, when the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down when you're still angry, do not give the devil a foothold. He doesn't want Christians to see things that like, you know, things like holding grudges or, or engaging in, in lustful uh, uh, thoughts and desires or, or being jealous or uh, having a critical uh, uh, judgmental attitude toward others. He doesn't want us to see that those are his biggest opportunities, especially in the lives of Christians, to keep us from being used very effectively by the Lord. So these are all aspects of spiritual warfare. Obviously, we don't have time to go through all of those today, but I, I think I really think so. we, we've been able to kind of, and, and we're giving people today kind of a taste of, 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 this, um, of this life, this Christian life, uh, almost like in, uh, uh, you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, when they, when they entered that land, it was a whole new realm, and you had the White Witch, and, and you had Aslan, the lion, representing Jesus. Um, you had those who were part of God's family. And then you had those who were opposing them. And that's very much what it's like to become a Christian. You go through the wardrobe. If you've seen the movie, uh, that represents Christ. Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So you go through the wardrobe, and now you're in this new kind of um, just mysterious kind of a land. And that's where we find ourselves today on as believers, one foot in heaven, one foot on earth, you know, um, uh, we're still here, but, but it's like, it's different. It's different than it was before we were saved. Um, there's like this new spiritual atmosphere. There's this new, uh, wonderful friend that we have there. There's the Lord of the universe living in us. Uh, our bodies are temples of the Holy spirit and God's motivating us, but we still have the old life, you know, tugging at us, uh, pulling at us. Um, and, and it's like, we got, um, we, we got both of those things going on. I mean, read Romans 7. You know, anybody who, who, who wonders, am I the only one that still struggles with sin? Am I the only one that still struggles with my old life? Even though I'm a believer, should this be happening? Read Romans 7. I mean, even Paul uh, struggled with that. You know, so there, there's a lot to cover, a lot to learn. And uh, this is why it's so important that we, uh, you know, stay in the Word and in prayer and, 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 and stay with other Christians who can help us because, uh, um, you know, uh, these daily, daily detours are all around us. And if we're not careful, um, boy, we'll fall into one, uh, one hole after the other while all God really wants us to do is just be available to be, be used for Him to, to spread the Word and, and help others. So as we bring it full circle to the beginning of the podcast, will you be allowed to enter heaven? I think after today, there's clarity as to whether or not someone questions if they're going to get into heaven tonight. Maybe you already know, and that's a good thing. But if you were uncertain before coming into the podcast, I think there's some clarity to know whether or not you're going to be allowed into heaven. And all you have to do is examine yourself. And if you find yourself maybe lacking a little bit, um, kind of like the writing on the wall, you know, that was meeny, meeny, shekel, you farseg, you know, you've been found uh, wanting or lagging, um, you know, you just turn to God and ask him. And then also, if you are saved, but you still have some doubts, you know, just pray for reassurance. Um, and I think the answers are all there. And so that then when the decision comes as to which chair you're going to sit in, the obvious and easy answer would be the chair that represents God alone. Jesus's price is uh, on the, you know, his, uh, his, the debt that he paid for us on the cross. And that would be the middle chair in your analogy. Yeah, that, that's right, son. And what I like to remind people is that the key 
is the object of your faith. And that's why the three-chair uh, illustration is so important. The most important thing is, what am I trusting to get into heaven? Am I trusting in Christ alone or in my works or a combination of my works in Christ? Only trusting Christ alone is, is, is the way to be forgiven, saved, redeemed, justified, and born again. But, but you know, Son mentioned there a moment ago that, well, what if I have doubts, okay? Uh, D.L. Moody said, faith is like the root and assurance is like the flower. So in order to be in God's family, you need the root. Uh, you, you need uh, that faith in Christ alone. Um, but then let's say, you say, well, I do believe in Jesus, but I, I, you know, I'm probably about 80% sure I'm going to heaven. Don't let that shake you, okay? Uh, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means that flower of assurance um, uh, may not yet have really blossomed in your life, uh, in your heart. Keep, keep going over the promises of God. You know, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus, uh, and you will be saved. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And, and just keep going over those. And, and God will build your, uh, he'll strengthen your faith because you've already got faith. If the object of your faith is Jesus, if your faith is the faith in the middle chair, uh, praise the Lord. That's how we, we, we come into um, to God's family. But if you still have doubts about your salvation, then um, feed your mind with God's promises as you seek to resist temptation and everything else. You know, because Satan wants to attack um, our assurance. I mean, think about this. I mean, if you're a Christian, but you're always, you know, unsure whether you're really going to heaven. Think how, how much that's going to, you know, uh, be a stumbling block to you being uh, effective and joyful. Uh, but once you know that, uh, hey, just like it says in First John five thirteen, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And, and, and once you know that, uh, which, which is, you know, that, that's even the name of this podcast, you know, Sanctified Reason. Um, so there's a holy uh, level of understanding of reason. It's not human reason. Uh, although our human reason is is, is uh, woven in there, but but it's sanctified reason. Um, there's a higher level of understanding, uh, just like the Bible says, the man without the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolish just to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So um, we need the Holy Spirit to give us sanctified reason. I mean, he's the one that, that brings us to faith in Jesus. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus said flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings your spirit alive through faith, not through works, through reliance on the cross, not reliance on your efforts. And then um, you're off to the races. Uh, that, that first part is the foundation that we, the Bible calls that justification. And then everything after that is sanctification, the Christian life, which is a lifelong process. Um, you're going to have some days are going to go better than others. And um, that, that part of it's never perfect. Jesus is always perfect, but, but sanctification is going to um, have some imperfections in it because we're still in it, okay? But justification is secure and perfect because that's all about what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, so, so those are some things to think about. And, uh, yeah, son, this has just been a, a great topic today. I'm so glad that, you know, we were able to uh, kind of go over some of those things. And I hope, son, that, that maybe some of the listeners today will really give some thought uh, to, for, to the three chairs, not only for their own life, but, but maybe to share that illustration with maybe someone that they know. Maybe even pull three chairs out sometime and just walk through that. And, and you could go back and listen to the earlier part of the podcast. You just kind of want to refresh your, 
your, your thinking on kind of how to do that. But, but I'll tell you what, I know you can do it. God will enable you to do it. I'm not talking about doing it with a stranger. I'm talking about maybe sharing it with uh, a trusted friend or maybe somebody in your family or, or whoever, maybe a child or a parent or, or whoever it might be. So um, may the Lord bless you in that. And yes, this has just been a, a wonderful thing to dive into today. So thanks so much for, yeah, just bringing me along for the ride uh, once again today. You bet. Dan Dozell with us as we discuss the issues that cross our paths at the intersection of faith and pop culture. And for those of you listening, you can check out our website at RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Sanctified Reason logo and other shows will pop up. And you can also listen pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts as well. Dan, again, thanks so much. We appreciate your time, and we look forward to many more, God willing. Oh, I sure do as well. Thank you so much, Bob. And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.